Welcome to the teaching ministry of Bill Anzavino, pastor of Christian Assembly Family Church in Ohioville, Pennsylvania. We pray you are challenged in your walk with the Lord through the following teaching. For more information about Christian Assembly Family Church or to subscribe to our free podcasts, please visit us on the web at cafamily.net. Praise God. All right. We're talking about spiritual warfare tonight. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the privilege of studying your word together this evening. We do so by the power of your Holy Spirit, knowing that your word is not just intellectually learned, but spiritually perceived and discerned. Give us revelation knowledge of the things that you would have us to know, that we might be doers of the word, not hearers only. Thank you for changing us by what we hear from glory to glory, that we might conform to the very image of Jesus and become that for which he shed his blood. Hallelujah. And gave his life. And Father, I thank you for utterance in the Holy Ghost to proclaim truth with power and demonstration that our faith would stand not in the wisdom of men, but the power of the living God and resurrected Christ. And Father, for all things, we'll be certain to give you all the praise, honor, and glory that you deserve. In Jesus' name, amen. Praise God. We're talking about spiritual warfare this evening. Ephesians chapter 6, beginning at verse 10, will be our opening text. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. And having done all to stand, stand therefore, having your loins girt about with truth having on the breastplate of righteousness in your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith. Notice above all, taking the shield of faith wherewith you shall be able to quench part of the, or half of the, all the fiery darts of the wicked and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. There's a whole mouthful right there, wouldn't you say? Well, notice he starts off by saying, finally, what's left to do. In other words, after all that I've told you, and remember who taught Paul the gospel? Jesus did. And Jesus is teaching this church here at Ephesus and basically, he's giving them everything they need to know to live the kind of life that God wants them to live. Remember, they didn't have the whole Bible then. They had this one letter given by the Apostle Paul. The beginning, what's he talk about? Their position in Christ and all that Christ has done for them. The inheritance that they have in Christ Jesus. He talked about how he prayed for them. And as you go on, he talked about practical Christianity, how they should live their lives. Whether it's in the home Husbands and wives loving each other, submitting to each other. Children obeying their parents in the Lord for this is right. When you work for someone in the workplace, make sure that you work as you are working for the Lord himself. Talks about unity within the body of Christ. I mean, the list just goes on and on, talking about living a good moral Christian life. And then he gets to the place where he says, finally. Finally, what's left to do? What's left to do is this. See to it that you're strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Why? Because 
what we have to do, we can't do in our own strength or ability. We need divine enablement. We need power from on high. Because it goes on to say we have an adversary. And this adversary doesn't like us. Have you noticed that? Doesn't like any one of us. Because we've been made in the likeness and image of God. We represent what he wanted. God has given us the kingdom. He wanted all that. So he doesn't like us. And he wants us to be defeated and destroyed and devoured. Which is basically what he set out to do. Now in discussing this. I have a quote here from C.S. Lewis. When speaking about the reality of Satan and demonic activity, the danger is always twofold. To put way too much emphasis or way too little. In other words, what he is saying, there's a ditch on both sides of the road. On one side, you've got those that see a demon behind every door. Had a flat tire, must be a flat tire demon. Must have dropped them off here somewhere from the city, migrating this way. Well, I don't think he caused your flat tire. But then to others, they don't even exist. Like as if they're non-existent. Maybe in Bible days, but no longer. I don't know where they went, collected them somewhere and sent them somewhere. I don't know. But the reality and the truth is the fact that there is a highly organized army of satanic powers that don't like us. And they've set out to destroy us. And they want to kill, they want to steal, they want to destroy, they want to devour every single one of us. They want to destroy all the things that we value and hold dear to our lives. Individually, our marriages, our children, our family, our churches, our nation, in society, relationships, the workplace, our finances, our health. I mean, the list goes on and on. Do everything you possibly can to destroy us. Why? Because we're made in the likeness and image of God and we have what he wants. Well, these demonic influences and spirits are out there. And what they want to do is inhabit human beings' lives so that they can find expression in this realm in which we live. And we can do a lot of studying to go back all the way to what some believe was the pre-Adamic age and where they came from and how at one time they lived on the earth before the flood of Noah and before what took place in the creation of Adam the pre-Adamites, in other words, that lived up on this planet, possibly where Lucifer was watching over the planet. He was basically the ruler of this planet. And then when he fell, they fell. When they fell, because they had bodies that they lived in, they, once again, a flood came. Peter's flood is not Noah's flood. And because of that, they were disembodied. When they became disembodied spirits, there are now demons that are out there working with Satan to the demise of believers and they want to get into a body so they can find expression once again in the earth as they did before the flood came. So if you study Peter you'll find out that there are two floods not just Noah's flood but a flood before that which is why the world was created and it was void and without form. But God doesn't create things void and without form it fell that way because in Isaiah it says that it wasn't created void and without form. I know that's a lot and it's a mouthful to give to you right now in a quick you know statement but let's just say this those demon spirits are out there and we know it. Read the Gospels. Jesus cast out so many. Think about it. Thousands of legions the soul, and so on. So we know they're out there and what do they want to do? Destroy human lives. That's what they want to do. So we need to talk about some of these things so we can better understand how we can overcome all the wiles of the devil as Paul just said to the church at Ephesus. Be strong in the Lord, the power of his might, because why? You've got an army out there that doesn't like you, that wants to destroy you, 
It's a spiritual army that we have to be aware of and we cannot deal with that army with natural powers and abilities. It takes power from on high. And when he said stand, he's talking about standing firm against the enemy. Stand prepared against the enemy that's coming against us. So stand your ground, stand firm, be consistent, persevere, because you know you're in a fight. The moment you and I gave our hearts to Jesus Christ as, and made him the Lord and Savior of our lives, we entered into a spiritual warfare between light and darkness. We entered into it the moment we accepted Christ. And what we need to realize is that we didn't even know we were in one before we came to Christ. Think about that. We were lost and we were blinded by the darkness that the enemy uses to destroy us. Man was affected in all three realms when he fell from the presence of God, spirit, soul, and body. Spirit separated from God, soul became darkened, lost the knowledge of God, and then the body became mortal or subject to death. Jesus, thank God, loved us so much he didn't want to leave us that way, but he came what did he do? He died for us. So our spirits can be reunited to the Father. So our souls can be renewed. He restores my soul. This is not just a religious book. It's not a his history book. It's a book that gives us a revelation of who God is and who we are and where we came from and why we're here and where we're going eternally. Amen. Praise God. Isn't that good to know? It's not just a book. Hallelujah. This is a revelation of who God is. We can know him. It's a revelation of who we are, where we came from, and where we're headed, where we're going. It answers all the questions that people are asking today who don't know anything about their identity. But thank God for his word. Facts we need to know. We talk about these facts. First of all, there are these demonic influences that Paul mentions. Principalities, powers, the rulers of the darkness of this world, and the spiritual wickedness in high places. Those are four categories of demonic influences that are out there. Notice principalities, powers, rulers. What do the rulers of the darkness of this world want to do? Anybody, can you answer that question? What do they want to do? Not a trick question. Rule. Aren't they rulers? What do they want to do? Rule. Who do they want to rule? You. Me. They're already ruling all those that are in darkness. They're under the rule of the kingdom of darkness. And they're ruling their lives. They got to be ruling people's lives that do the things that people do in our society today. Things that are unthinkable. I just read where this fellow beat up beat to death a seven-week-old baby. Did you read that? Changing the diaper beat the child to death. You can't tell me that there's not demon powers behind stuff like that. The one woman who drowned her children in a tub, the devil made me do it. Well, I could believe that. You listen to the devil who make you crazy, you'll do whatever. These demonic forces are out there and they're real. And we need to understand they want to rule our lives as well as others that are in the world, especially those that are in their kingdom. Some facts to consider. Number one, we'll throw them up for you to see. There is an invisible world that's out there. There's an invisible world. 
Many don't realize that. Many don't think that. But there's an invisible world and we need to be aware of that fact. When we live our lives every day, it's very easy for us to overlook that. But look in the book of Hebrews chapter 11, verse 3. Through faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God. So the things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. You realize there are things that don't appear that made this world? It didn't say we're, th this world was made out of nothing. It was made out of things that don't appear. So only through faith can we understand that. So by faith we understand there's an unseen realm and an unseen world with unseen things that are in this unseen invisible realm that brought this world into being. Look at the next one. 2 Corinthians 4. For which cause we faint not, but though our outward man perish. This outward man, man on the outside is going, headed back toward the dust of the earth, he is saying. Yet the inward man is renewed day by day. So there's an outward man, there's an inward man. I can see your outward man, but I can't see your inward man. So your outward man's visible, but your inward man is invisible. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, works for us a far more exceeding an eternal weight of glory, while we look not at things which are seen, but things which are not seen. How do I look at something that's not seen? For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. The things that are seen are temporal. We're sojourners in this realm of life. And this life is here but for a fleeting moment compared to the backdrop of eternity. But while we're living in this realm that we're living in, in this temporal state, we're supposed to be looking at things that are not seen. Uh, what are you looking at? Something that's not seen. How do you look at something that's not seen? By faith. By faith. So there is an unseen, invisible realm, and we need to realize that. Look at James 4. I use this all the time, especially during funeral services and, and memorial services and things like that. Whereas you know not what you sh shall be on tomorrow, for what is your life? It's even a vapor. It appears for a little while visible, then vanishes away invisible. There's an inv invisible realm out there. This is the visible the vapor he's talking about above your pot that you can see the steam coming up is there for a short time visible. But then it vanishes away invisible. Where does it go? You saw it, but where did it go? So he's trying to help us identify with the fact there's a visible and an invisible realm. And so this is the visible temporal realm, but there is the invisible that we can't see but yet we touch both realms. We're very much a part of both realms. And the invisible realm is where we will spend our eternity. Do you remember the Sadducees? They were the ones that were so sad because they didn't believe in the resurrection. They didn't believe that after you died that there was any life after death. The Pharisees believed it, but the Sadducees didn't believe it. So look, all the way back to Bible days, there's conflict when it comes to understanding eternal things, invisible things, unseen things. I'm convinced. Are you convinced? There's an unseen realm. Number two, we're involved in a spiritual warfare in an invisible world. Think about it. It's an invisible war that we're engaged in. And it's so important for us to recognize this. Why? Because the enemy will have the upper hand if we don't understand that. Sometimes we see people, let's say, 
doing things and we question why they're doing things and we think we have a struggle with the person. Could be someone at work. It could be your boss. You ever think that your boss might be inspired by a wrong influence, a force of darkness, a spirit? We experience oppression sometimes for no reason whatsoever. You ever stop and think it might be a cloud of oppression around you caused by an evil presence? Sometimes there is a spirit of fear about someone who says, I'm not usually afraid. Which I encountered a spirit of fear two times in my life. The first time I wasn't ready for it because I was just saved. I was a newborn Christian. I wasn't saved long enough. And I was working in a mill where I worked every six days, seven days a week running a mill crane 30 feet up in the air, all three shifts, morning, afternoon, and night. And one night when I was up there in that crane, all of a sudden, just before my ship was over, there was a presence that I had never, ever felt or experienced before in my life. And it produced a fear like I never experienced in my life. So much so that when it came time for me to go down to the part of the bay where I go down the stairs 30 feet down to be relieved by my partner. I can't even begin to tell you the fear. Fear that it's more than you can cut it with a knife. Fear that there is something or someone right in front of me. And of course, I came in the back way. So where I went out to the, through the train, in the rail yard, railroad yard, there were no lights back there. And it was midnight. It was the night I got, got off at midnight. And I'm on my way back there. And I'm telling you, this thing just followed me. Got in my car and I went home. And at that moment, everything seemed to be okay when I first got home. And then time to go to bed. I lay down in the bed. When I lay down in the bed, all of a sudden, kaboom, it was right at the foot of my bed. Could have grabbed it. And I thought, what in the world is this? Like I said, I'm a young Christian. Don't know what's going on here. But there is such a fear that you can't explain it. And as I lay there, all of a sudden, this unseen presence, if you want to say attacked or whatever, I don't know. And I've heard others have the same similar kind of experience where something just paralyzed me on my bed. I'm laying on my back. I am paralyzed. I cannot move my arms at all. Something is in my face. Can't talk. It was just such an experience. Didn't know what to do. And as I'm lying there, all of a sudden, thank God for the Word of God. Thank God that God's Word is powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. I started in my spirit, because I couldn't even speak. In my spirit, I kept saying, greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. Over and over, greater is he who is in me than he who is in this world. And I kept saying it and saying it and saying it. And all of a sudden, boom, I could speak it out and it left. When you experience something like that, you don't want to tell too many people because they're going to think you're loony. You're out there somewhere. But I know it was real. I know I couldn't move. That was the first time. Well, since that time, I went off to school at Ramah. When I first got to Ramah in Oklahoma, I had the similar experience. By this time, 
the furniture wasn't delivered yet and there we are and we just got a, a mattress laid it on the floor because there was nothing to sleep on the beds weren't there the moving company delayed and, and all that long story short I'm lying down there on the floor and as I'm lying on the floor the same presence does the same thing this time I was equipped this time I studied the Bible, I was in the Word of God, I knew the powerful name of Jesus, and the moment this thing tried to get on me, I said, oh no you don't, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, I command you to leap. And when I tell you it was gone in a heartbeat, it was gone in a heartbeat. Demons tremble at the power of the name of Jesus. He said, if you resist the devil, what will he do? Flee, run from you as in terror. You know what? I just brought, had brought to my remembrance, there was a third time a spirit of fear tried to get on me. I was walking at the medical center. This is when my one son was just born. And as I'm walking through the quarter to go back to where they were, where he was just born down, down the lower level, but I was at the upper level, floor one. All of a sudden, it hit me again. And I knew exactly what it was. I absolutely identified it. It tried to hit me on the head. And I, once again, people think you're crazy. I just stopped where I was in the corridor of the hospital and said, I rebuke you in the name of Jesus Christ. And that thing left. You know, just to give you a heads up, if you go oftentimes to the hospitals like we do, you know, people die in hospitals. And when there are people that have spirits, not their spirit, I'm talking about evil spirits, they will leave those bodies and they will lurk around the hospital to try to get on someone. You realize that? Now, I'm not talking about some crazy stuff. I don't want you to think that tonight. But you know what, if we're not taught, if we don't understand and know that there is an invisible world out there, there are demon spirits that are out there, there is a spirit of fear. God didn't give us the spirit of what? Fear. Fear is a spirit. Now there's some natural fear we understand, but there is a spirit of fear that we have to understand is out there. And we've got to contend with it. But he gave us power, love, and of a sound mind to deal with that spirit of fear. And so I rebuked it and it was gone. Praise God in Jesus' name. But you know what? Sometimes people will not understand that. And that spirit can get not in your spirit if you're a child of God, but can get into your flesh, can get into your body. Why? Because it once again wants to find expression in this realm of life in which we live. Now, in this invisible war, look at Daniel chapter 10 that we're engaged in. You say, well, why would a spirit want to do that? To stop your ministry. To stop your success. To stop you from doing what God wants you to do. Wants to dominate your life. To devour you. Here we have Daniel. He's on a 21 day fast. He needs revelation from God. He seeks the Lord with this 21 day partial fast. Not eating the dainties of the king etc. And so what he does. He seeks the face of God. He is praying and waiting on God for 21 days. We pick it up here in verse 12. Then said he unto me. The angel that appears to him. Fear not Daniel. From the first day that thou didst set thine heart to understand and to chasten thyself before thy God, thy words were heard, and I am come for thy words. 
Why did the angel come? For his words. I wonder what words he was speaking. I'm sure they were faith-filled words. But he came for his words the first day. Not the 21st day, not three, three weeks later. I came the first day. The moment his words were heard, God in heaven dispatched an angel, Gabriel probably a messenger angel, to go and tell Daniel what he needed to hear. But notice, but the prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me one and twenty days. But lo, Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me, and I remained there with the kings of Persia. Now I am come to make thee understand what shall befall thy people in the latter days, for yet the vision is for many days. Sometimes we wonder why answers to prayer are delayed. We've got to start in faith, we've got to stay in faith, and we've got to finish in faith. Because you see, there's a spiritual warfare that's going on out there. And we see this in the life of Daniel. So here we have these angels of the Lord in conflict with this demonic influence, this prince of Persia, preventing the answer to get to Daniel. Now, do we understand in depth about spiritual warfare as far as what's going on in that realm and how these are coming against each other? I don't know. Do you? All we know is what the word says. It happened. And so this prince tried to stop, this demon power tried to stop Gabriel. Michael came along to help. And as he comes to help, then he frees up Gabriel. Gabriel goes to Daniel, tells him what he needed to know. But guess what? That took 21 days. You know what that took in the realm of the spirit? A split moment. But on earth it was 21 days. You see why we need to stay in faith? Continue in faith even though we may not see a result instantaneously? We like that all the time but that doesn't always happen. And sometimes there's interferences with the prayer request that we have. So stay in faith. Number three. Our spiritual eyes need to be opened. We sing songs about it but do we truly desire it? Open the eyes of my heart Lord. Open the eyes of my heart. I need to see some things. We all need to see some things, which is why we have services like these. Look at the book of 2 Kings chapter 6. Anybody here ever found yourself surrounded by the enemy? Seems like he's coming in from every side and every direction, every angle. Sometimes, you know, in, as we walk through this realm of life, we're more challenged than other times. And sometimes it seems like we're just surrounded by everywhere we go, everywhere we turn, there's pressure coming our way. Well, that happened over here to uh, Elisha and his servant Gehazi. When the servant of the man of God was risen early and gone forth, behold, a host compassed the city both with horses and chariots. And his servant said unto him, Alas, my master, how shall we do? And he answered, Fear not, for they that be with us are more than they that be with them. Now, when Elisha said that, notice, there's two of them, Elisha and his servant, and they're surrounded by a host of this army. And he says there's more with us than that be with them. Now, could it be that Elisha saw something that his servant didn't see? Now, did he see with his physical eyes? Did he see with his spiritual eyes? Could he actually see these angelic beings that were out there? Don't know. It doesn't say that he did, but he could have. But notice what he says. Elisha prayed and said, Lord, I pray thee, open his eyes that he may see. 
And the Lord opened the eyes of the young man. Only the Lord can open up our eyes so that we can see beyond this realm, pull back the curtain that separates the natural from the spiritual realm, enabling us to see. And he saw. And behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire round about Elisha. Imagine that. You know how easy it is for us to be focusing just on what we see? Remember, don't look at what you see, look at what you don't see. Well, what don't I see? I don't see all those angels that are around there, but I'm supposed to know they're there because he said he'll give his angels charge over us to keep us in all of our ways. He says the angel of the Lord encamps right about those that fear him to deliver them. But yet it is easy in our natural state to do what? To focus on the problem, to focus on the circumstance, to focus on the situation and not focus beyond that and see that God has already made provision for our deliverance or for our success. And why is that? Because we're so prone to look at life through these natural eyes that we have. And that's what's predominant, what we see. But growing in faith is growing beyond what we see in the natural world. Lord, open my eyes so that I may clearly see some things that I need to see, whether it's by revelation in the word or even in, in the spiritual realm. Look at Acts chapter 26. Isn't it a comforting thought to know that you're not alone? Isn't that comforting to know that? That you've got an army that's invisible, that's out there fighting for you, ready to do whatever it is need, that needs to be done to deliver you. Here, the apostle Paul is rehearsing his experience when he saw Jesus on the Damascus road. And here's just a part of what he said. And I said, who art thou, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus whom thou persecutest. But rise and stand upon thy feet, for I have appeared to thee for this purpose. Boy, wouldn't that be a revelation? Huh? Here's your purpose, Paul. To make thee a minister and a witness both of these things which thou hast seen and of those things in the which I will appear unto thee. Now that's going beyond this realm right there. Delivering thee from the people and from the Gentiles unto whom now I send thee for what purpose? To open their eyes. You know there's a lot of eye opening right here in this book. You read the Pauline revelation, you have a revelation of so much that Jesus has done for us. To open their eyes, why? To turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God that they may receive forgiveness of sins and inheritance among them which are sanctified by faith that is in me. So his purpose, his ministry was to open people's eyes. If we want our eyes open, all we need to do is to go to the epistles of Paul and we'll find out some eye-opening truths. Peter even said of those truths, some of them are hard to, be under, to understand, to be understood. But yet, we have a revelation of the things that Jesus has done for us right there. There was a pastor I read about some time ago. And he had a minister come to his church and he ministered from the pulpit. Gave a nice lesson on faith and all that. Well, when he got done, he was having a time of refreshments with the pastor of the church and finally the pastor asked him he said um what was it like in the pulpit here tonight and the person that was evangelizing said well let me to be honest with you he said yeah be honest with me he said 
It was like plowing up against a stump. It was hard preaching in the pulpit. Sometimes people draw it out of you. And it just begins to flow. It's the Holy Spirit moving upon the hearts of the people, the heart of the minister, and it's just being drawn out. He said, it was tough sledding behind your pulpit. He said, yeah, I know. It's been that way. It's been that way for some time. Now think about this. If you're the pastor of the church, you don't want that in your church. You want freedom in your church. You want victory in your church. You want to have a move of God in your church, right? You don't want to have someone to come in and just be plowing up against a stump, getting nowhere, trying to communicate with people. It's like boring. He said, well, appreciate your honesty. Well, the person left, and that pastor got on his face before God and entered into a fast. He said, I'm just going to wait on the Lord and find out what's going on in this church because there's something wrong here that I don't like. And so he set himself apart to seek the face of God with fasting and praying. And while he was in the midst of his fasting and prayer time, walking in the church, he looked up. And when he looked up, his eyes were open spiritually. He could see into the realm of the Spirit. And what he saw in the rafters of the church was a big demon-like, imp-like figure, like a gorilla-like or something like that. We have a hard time identifying what these things look like. Sitting up there, ruling over the church. Think about that. Which is why it was so hard to get the people involved and engaged and hooked up in ministry and for the people to preach, those that were behind the pulpit and all that. He said, well, I was standing there. I looked up and I saw that. Let me tell you something right now. No program will pull that thing down. No beautiful song can pull that thing down. No matter how beautiful one's voice is, no matter what program you come up with, or how much money you give on a Sunday or whatever, that demon is not coming down. We don't need more programs. We need a demonstration of the power of Almighty God. And so when he saw that, he said, in the name of Jesus, I command you come down. And he came down, saying, I don't want to, but if you say to, I have to. Not only do I want you to come down, I want you to leave the premises. He said, I don't want to, but if you say so, I have to. He said, I'm telling you in Jesus' name, by the authority of that name, get out. He ran out the door of the church, ran down the sidewalk. He said, and then uh, he followed them. He said, I watched him walk into the nearest, or whatever they do, fly, get into the nearest bar. It was right down the street, he said, from the church. Went inside the bar. He said the bar burned down not too many days later. But the same evangelist came to the church like about a year later. And after he was done preaching, he said, what happened? What took place in this church? He explained what happened. Well, first of he said, why? He said, because there was such a freedom and the church is on fire and what's going on is amazing. What did you do? He said, I didn't do anything. But he told him that's what it was. Now, why is that important to know? That can happen over not just churches, families, households, marriages. Sometimes these demon powers will just set up camp in your house, in your attic, and just kind of wreak havoc and sit there and watch and laugh as he says, look at those two fighting like cats and dogs. Doing a good job of it. Look at this. All I have to do is this and look at that, what goes on. I remember one time another evangelist talking about one of uh, his family members. The Lord allowed him to see in the realm of the Spirit. He saw him walking down the street 
And he said, now watch this. This demon came on his shoulder, whispered into his ears, told him to do certain things. He did. Told him to walk into a bar. He did. And as soon as he took a step in, he stopped and rebuked it and turned around and walked away. Went back to try to tell the person what had happened. He said, don't tell me. I'll tell you exactly what happened because I saw it in the realm of the spirit. He said, how'd you know that? He said, the Lord showed me. And the whole point was to teach us how these spirits that are out there will suggest things by speaking into people's ears and then you find out that the people follow through and do it. You can't tell me it was any other voice that would have some person kill a seven-week-old baby, changing the diaper, beating it to death. I don't think it was the parent that said to do that. It was a demon. These demon forces are out there and they're real. Number four. I don't think we're going to get through all this. But that's okay, right? We'll pick it up. Believers have authority over Satan and his demons. We're not going to get in this ditch that says they don't exist. We're not going to get in this ditch that says they're behind every door. But we are going to be among those that stand firm in our conviction that we're engaged in a spiritual warfare and there are demon powers that are out there that Jesus dealt with when he was upon this earth and they will if allowed to wreak havoc in people's lives. In Mark's gospel chapter 16 verse 17 after Jesus told his disciples, his apostles, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He that believes and is baptized shall be saved. He that believes not shall be what? Damned. And these signs shall follow them that believe in my name. They shall, first thing, cast out devils. Are you a believer in the name of Jesus? Aren't we all believers in that name? The very first demonstration of the power of that name in a person's life cast out devils. Why did he put that at the top of the list? Because we're engaged in a spiritual warfare. Because all those demon powers are out there trying to undermine the work of God. And trust me, when you get saved, especially when you first get saved, like when I first got saved and that spirit of fear tried to get on me, I didn't know what the Lord had ahead ahead of me in my life at that time. I was just newly saved. I didn't know how the Lord wanted to use me at that time. I just got saved. I thank God that I learned some things that I could use against this onslaught of the enemy to stop the work of God from being done in my life. Can you see that? He'll attack you like he attacked the apostle Paul to silence us so that we don't witness for Jesus, so that we don't wreak havoc in his kingdom. Jesus said the first thing is cast out the devil. Cast him out. Take authority over him. Exercise power over him. If you're in a, a warfare with your spouse, stop right there in the midst of it. And say, hey, let's recognize what's going on here. Quickly, look at Ephesians chapter 1. We have power and authority over all the power of the enemy. Paul prayed that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation and knowledge of him, the eyes of of your understanding being what? Enlightened. That you may know the hope of your calling, his calling, and what the riches and the glory of his inheritance in the saints, and what is the exceeding greatness of his power to us who believe. Notice this exceeding greatness. 
according to the working of his mighty power which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead and set him at his own right hand of heavenly places far above all principality. Remember Paul says this is what we're warring against? Principality and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this world but also in that was to come. And put all things under his feet, gave him to be head over all, uh, all, all things under the church for the benefit of the church, which is his body, the fullness of him that fills all in all. In short, what he is saying is, open up their eyes, Lord, so that they can see the rich inheritance that they have in Christ, but also have a revelation of the power that you have given them in Christ when you raised him from the dead. The same power that is power over all the powers of principalities, powers, the rulers of the darkness of this world, spiritual wickedness in high places. Every believer has that kind of power. But guess what? The enemy doesn't want us to know that. He wants us to be in darkness and not understand that. But Paul is saying, I'm praying. We need to pray this for people in the church, in our families. Next one, number five, the enemy is out to destroy us. He's out to devour us. He has no concern for us whatsoever. First Peter 5, 8, let's read it. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walks about seeking whom he may devour. He is going about. No joking about this verse of scripture. Be awake, be alert, be on guard. Why is he telling us that? Why is he telling them that? Why? Because you have an adversary, the devil. He's going about like a roaring lion, and he is looking for permission from us to devour us. Why does he need permission? Notice whom he may devour. Because he can't if we don't give him permission. But you know the average Christian doesn't even know that? I'll be honest with you. The average Christian thinks that whatever happens, happens because God orchestrates everything that takes place in this realm of life. And whatever happens, God's in control. You know, I get to a point where I almost get to the place, I don't want to hear that anymore. Is God in control when a woman is raped? Is God in control when a baby is killed? When the diaper's being changed? Is, 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 is that God being in control? When someone dies in a car wreck? A plane crash? Is God in control when someone goes in with a gun and shoots up and kills how many people? It's not God in control. Beloved, we need to understand our warfare that we're engaged in. And to know that there's an enemy out there who is looking for permission. And if we don't know we have power over him, and if we don't take a stand, then you know what? He has the advantage over us. One more, and then we'll, we'll close it and pick it up. Number six. The mind is the battlefield. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 4. The mind is the battlefield or the battleground. In whom the God of this world has blinded the minds. He started with the mind of Eve. Did he not? You think he stopped? No. Lest the light. Notice. Darkness in the light. Of the glorious gospel of Christ. Who is the image of God. Should shine unto them. He uses darkness to blind people's minds. They can't see the truth. They can't understand the truth. You know, someone was sitting at a service and someone gave a beautiful message on salvation. And once he was done giving this beautiful message on salvation, a person who was not saved was sitting there. And said, oh, that was a wonderful message that the person talked about. But he went on talking about something that he wanted 
and completely forgot about everything that was said in the meeting. Guess who distracted him from that? The enemy did. To blind him and keep him blinded to the truth. I witnessed to somebody many years ago when I first got saved, and that person was a, a relative, a family member. And I went to him and I just shared the whole gospel message to him. And he was so thrilled and so excited about what he heard. He said, I never heard anybody talk about God that way. Didn't even know that was, all those things were in the Bible. He said, let me think. I asked him, you want to accept Christ? He said, just give me a little bit of time to think about it. Well, his father came along and told him certain things. One of which was, sorry to say it this way, but so what he said. He said, he's a Nazi. Me, speaking of me. He's crazy. This was a person who was in a Christian church for many, many years, never heard the term be born again, and told that person, his son, don't ever talk to him again about religion or about the things of God. And I didn't know that until I went to see him again. He said, I'm not talking anymore about this. Now, do you see what's behind all that? The devil to blind people's minds. And it's up to us to do our part. Look at John's gospel, chapter 3. To continue living a lifestyle that they could see. They could see the light shine in us. And also communicate the gospel through our words. For God sent not his son to the world to condemn the world. But that the world through him might be saved. He that believes on him is not condemned. But he that believes not is condemned already. Because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten son of God. And this is the condemnation. Now notice this. That light is coming to the world. Light has come into a world of darkness, and the darkness didn't know it, didn't see it. So light's come into the darkness, into the world, and men loved, look at darkness rather than light, because their deeds were evil. For everyone that doeth evil hates the light, neither comes to the light, lest his deeds should be reproved. But he that doeth truth comes to the light, that his deeds may be made manifest that they are of God. Jesus came as the light in the world of darkness. But the darkness comprehended, the world comprehended it not because they were more concerned about darkness. And you realize that Jesus also said that if the light that is in you is darkness, think about that. If the light that is in you is darkness, light meaning if the revelation that you have that you're living by, what you live by, the truth that you live by is darkness, you know how much darkness is in our society today? You know how much calling good evil and evil good is going on in our society today? You realize that people think that they want to have their prerogative to live the kind of life they want to live and that they have no obligation whatsoever to their creator and lawmaker? That's what's going on in our world today, in our nation today, and around the world today. People want to just be their own God, so, so to speak. It's what it's based on. They don't want to come to the light because the light will expose the darkness and dispel it. And then they're going to have to change their lifestyle to line up with the Word of God. Isn't that what you had to do when you came to Christ? Absolutely. And let's close with this one right here. These last two verses. Look in Ephesians 4, 17 and 18. The conflict is between the light and the darkness. And look at here. Therefore I, this I say therefore and testify of the Lord that you henceforth walk not as other Gentiles walk in the vanity of their what? Mind, the way they think. Having the understanding what? darkened by the devil and demon that's out there being alienated from the life of God through the ignorance that is in them because of the blindness of their heart. There it is in a nutshell. 
That's the world of darkness that's out there doing this to people. And you know what? Even as a Christian, he'll put blinders on us. And people will think that it's okay to treat people this way, to act that way, to do whatever. And look at Acts. We have a perfect example right here. This is from the Phillips translation. Were you able to get that, Paul? Acts chapter 5, verse 3. Phillips translation, J.B. Phillips. But Peter said to him, Ananias, why has Satan so filled your mind that you could cheat the Holy Spirit and keep back for yourself part of the price of the land? Who filled his mind? Satan filled his mind. You realize Satan wants to fill people's minds every day with all his propaganda? Indeed he does. Why are we doing this? Because I really believe that God wants to move in a powerful way in the earth but it takes cooperation on our part and it's going to take people like us taking authority over the demonic influences and powers that are out there trying to wreak havoc with the kingdom of God and destroy the work of God. So let's all stand together before the Lord. Let's make our way up to the front here one more time before we go back there. Hallelujah. There's so much more to say along this line. You and I have power over all the power of the enemy. But that power that we have will not do us any good unless we make a decision to come to the light. To find out what the word of God says is ours. Take no, don't take no for an answer from the enemy. But stand against it, praise God. Recognize what he uses to destroy human lives and take authority over it.